So we're in this series, uh, Building Without Blueprints, and, and we've been walking through the book of Nehemiah together. Today we're in Nehemiah chapter 13, and we're in, a, we're in a portion of Scripture, we're in a group of Scripture, when Nehemiah, he rebuilds the church, and he begins putting some things back in the church that people had taken out of the church. Listen, when people, when people walk away from God, they walk away from the things of God. When people, it happens, when people walk away from God, they always walk away from the things of God. So that's what was happening in Jerusalem. They had walked away from God. They had walked away from some things of God. They weren't able to, to rebuild their lives, their marriages. They weren't able to rebuild the church because they, they didn't have a plan. And so, and they weren't following the plan. And God has a plan for you, and God has had a plan for them. And so, Nehemiah comes in, and he begins putting back into place, in Nehemiah chapter 13, he had been, began putting back into place some things that they had taken out of the church. And so, last week, we looked at the first one, which was the Word, where, where they'd taken the Word out of the church, they'd no longer followed the Word, Nehemiah puts it in. Today, we're looking at this issue of success, and we'll talk about that. The next week, uh, we're going to look at worship, and that'll be our, our final weekend as we look at celebration. So today we're looking at success. And listen, whenever you start a, whenever you start a project, you've got to know the outcome, right? You've got to know what, what, it, what is success. What is success in whether you're building a home, whether you're doing a project, whether you're doing a remodel, whether you're doing something, you, have, you and I have to know that, that what, it, what is success in this situation? What is success in the spiritual life? What is success following Christ? And success is this. Success is knowing that God is more than enough. Do you worship a God who is more than enough? Do you know a God who is more than enough, regardless if it's your finances, regardless if it's your marriage, regardless if it's relationships that you're going through, regardless if it's the economy, your profession? Do, do you know? Do you know a God who is more than enough? See, this is what Nehemiah was helping them understand is that the God you serve, the God you serve is more than enough. See, here's what happens when people don't know that God is more than enough. They wander away from the things of God and they try to fill it with things that are not of God. And this is Nehemiah's issue. And this is what Nehemiah begins to talk about. Watch this. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 1. On that day, they read from the book of the law, because Nehemiah had put the law back in, the Bible, of Moses in hearing of the people. And in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God. For they did not, they did not meet the people of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Yet, <laughs> I love this, yet our God, Turn curse into blessing. As soon as the people heard the law, they separated from, all, from Israel and all those of foreign descent. In other words, when they understood that God is more than enough, they, they took a step. They did something. Scripture says that God turned curse into blessing. Do you realize God desires to do that in your life? Do you realize the, the cross like broke the curse? And God desires in your life and in my life to break the curse. And he loves you. And he wants, to have, he wants you to have success. And he wants you to have blessing in your life. Verse 4. Now before this, Eliashib the priest who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, who was related to Tobiah, 
prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithes of grain, wine, and oil, which were given by commandment to the Levites, singers, and gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priest. While this was taking place, I was not in Jerusalem. For in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went to the king. And after some time, I asked leave of the king and came to Jerusalem. And then I discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And I was, I was very angry. And I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber. And then I gave orders, orders, and they cleansed the chambers. And I brought back there the vessels of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. And I also found out that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them, so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled each to his field. So I confronted the officials and I said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and sent them in their stations. In other words, Nehemiah began to put some things back into the church that the people had taken out of the church. Because when, when people wander from God, they wander from the things of God. In Tobiah, he was, he was one of the, the villains in the story, if you will. He was one of the, the bad guys. And all of a sudden, you realize that Tobiah was, was doing some things. He had taken the room that was once set as, for a place of the tithes and the offerings and the grain and all of those other things. And he had taken that out. And he began putting his things in there. And see, as a result of that, the church was struggling. There was no one giving. There was no one serving. There was no one bringing their tithes to the church. And as a result of that, the church was struggling. And it was struggling to minister to people because there was no tithe. There was no place to put their tithe. Because this guy, Tobiah, tried to stop the work of, the, uh, uh, of God. See, Tobiah had made a deal with the priest. He had made a deal with the pastor. And he said, I, I want to use that place in the household of God for me. I want to use that place in the household of God for my stuff. I want it for my stuff, my cars, my, my motorcycles, my four-wheelers, my boats, my RVs, my things. And all of a sudden, he began pushing the things of God out of the church. And Nehemiah came to them and says, you've done something evil. You, got, you guys have taken what should have been used for, for God's house. And you're using it for yourself. Because you don't know that God is enough. You don't know that God is all you'll, you'll ever need. It doesn't mean everything's going to go perfect in your life and without any pain. But it does mean this, that God is more than enough for you, regardless of what you walk through in life. See, Tobiah or Nehemiah would say that success is this issue of understanding that God is more than enough. There's three things that if you're going to understand success that you and I need to understand in our life. And the first one is this, that it, it is God's plan for his children to tithe. It is, this is what's happening in the church. This is what happened in, 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 in Jerusalem. And they, 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 they'd quit this practice. They'd walked away from the ordinary principles, what Malachi would say, the ordinary principles of God. Listen, let me tell you something. I, 
man, I get it. I understand. Um, I went into ministry when I was in my mid-30s. And so for a long time, I, I sat in the church and I listened to sermons. And, and you know what? I, I understand people's reactions. I've, I've gotten plenty of emails over the years. Uh, whenever, whenever a preacher talks about money, people get nervous, right? That's why you're so quiet right now. <laughs> do we say yes? Do we say no? Do we just sit here? What do we do? Because, mo- listen, money's emotional, right? I mean, why do you think there's so many fights whether it's in marriage, whether it's in business, whether it's in a, in a country, political... Pro- Why do you think people fight over money? Because it carries so much... It carries so much emotion. Again, I, can I just tell you this? Way before I ever went into ministry, over 30 years ago, this principle transformed my life. When I found out that success was knowing that God is more than enough, and that I can trust him. My time, talent, and treasure, I can trust him with my money. Because I'm telling you, if you do not know you can trust God with your money, you don't know that you can trust him with anything. And I may need to apologize to you. I haven't talked about this a whole lot in this church. Because I'm a high harmony guy. And I want you to like me. And I'm sorry for that. Because this principle transformed my life and my and even my marriage. Because when you understand God is more than enough, and your resources are not your resources, it is His. It is no longer your money, her money or even our money. It is His money. And we steward it. And so I'm not going to sit up here and lie to you and not tell you that tithing, giving 10%, is one of the things that drastically transformed my Christian life. It changed my connection with money. It changed my connection with my wife. It changed my connection with God because I learned that he is more than enough. And I've, I've gone through recessions. I've gone through difficulty in the country. I came and planted a church without any promise of income. And the only way I did that is because I knew God's more than enough. And God is all I'll ever need. And some of you may have come out of churches where people mishandled talking about this. And I am so sorry about that. But I want to handle this in a biblical way. Because I have released over 10% of my income for over 30 years. Many years ago, I left tithing. And I went above and beyond. And I can give a testimony that you cannot out give God. Listen, let me tell you something. Your treasure travels in a certain direction. You follow the money trail, you follow your treasure, it's going to tell you where your priorities are. See, that's what happened to Nehemiah. Uh, that's what happened to Tobiah. We can read that verse and we can follow the money trail. 
And we can realize where his priorities were. His priorities weren't with God. His priorities weren't with the house of God. Fact is, his priorities were with his stuff. It was like, it was selfish. It was like his toys, his things. Listen, Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. Usually when we hear that, that text preached, we talk about the, the prodigal that went away and wasted his life. And a lot of times we miss a subtle thing, the root issue that happened before any of that. Look at this, uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus is teaching. Jesus, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant, distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything to eat. Pure definition of sin is this. And I've talked a lot about the first part, but I've only alluded to the second part in my history here. It's pure definition of sin is this. It's the rejection of, of God your Father. And it is squandering time, talent, and treasures that God has given you. Sin is dehumanizing in nature. Sin makes us all the same. Harmatea, the Greek word for sin, means to miss the mark, miss the intended mark, to fall short of the glory of God. And I've talked about that. Sin is to serve ourselves. That was a problem with Tobiah. It was all about him. It was all about his stuff. It was all about his issues. And Jesus came with a, with, a, with a new birth so that we could be fully alive, so that we would know that he is all we'll ever need, so that we would know that he was more than enough. See, sin at the root issue says, says God, you are, you, are, you are not my father. God, I don't need you. I can lead my own life. I can, I can make my own decisions. This is my life. This is my time. This is my talent. This is my treasures. In other words, I, I will use it. I will use it as how I decide. I will use it as how I please. See, that's what Tobiah was doing. In other words, sin is this. God, you don't know what's best for me. That's the pro problem with the prodigal, right? God, you don't know what's best for me. I mean, only I know what is best for me. But I've never really discussed the second nature of sin with you. And the second nature of sin is to squander, to squander the time, the talent, and the treasure that God has provided for us. It, it's not really results-based. I mean, let me ask you this. Who do your gifts reflect? Do your gifts reflect you or your father? God. See, that was Tobiah's issue. That was Tobiah's problem. Tobiah's problem was this, is his gifts reflected him. Listen, this principle has changed my life years ago. And I know, I know people will push back and say, well, of course he's talking about this. Only thing pastors want is your money. And can, can, I, can I just tell you, we're doing great financially as a church. Last year, we came off the greatest giving year in the history of our church. You guys faithfully gave. I mean, we set records in that area. I am not up here because I'm concerned about a budget, because I'm concerned about paying staff, because I'm concerned about money. You know what I'm concerned about? The same thing that God's concerned about. 
It's concerned about your heart. Because your money is tied to your heart. Last night, last night in the Saturday night service here, I, I preached the same message, preached on giving. You realize we had people, just like in the 9 o'clock service, you realize we had people meet Christ over a giving sermon. Some people came back to him. Listen, I'm telling you, Nehemiah came in and said, this is God's blueprint for you. This is God's plan for you. And if you do this, you will, you will, have, you will have success. In other words, if I build a house, and if I build a house and I follow the plans and I follow the specifications, then guess what? It, it'll be successful, right? I'll have a solid foundation. I'll have a solid structure. There's blessing and there's protection. But you know what? If I don't go by the plans, then I, I'm not going to have that, right? I'm not going to have success. You have to follow the plan. Here a while back, a few years back, Karen and I decided to, to remodel. And uh, it was really a fun few years for me. It was a blast. And uh, not so much for her. And I got to the part of, of electrical, and I'm like, what could be so hard with this? It's just like two wires, a black one and a white one, and then some ground wire. Who knows what that's for? I mean, just match the colors. I almost burned the house down. I didn't know what I was doing. So I, I called my buddy George, and I said, George, you got to get over here. We got, we got issues. George came over, laughed, trashed me. He's an electrician, and so he trashed me. Can, can I just process out some pain just real quickly? He cut out some of my electrical work, took it down to the union hall, Put it on what is called the wall of shame. <laughs> now I got union electricians down there laughing and making fun of me. Yeah, and you laugh at my expense. Listen, let me tell you something. You've you got to follow the plan. And if, if you investigate, I'm telling you, if you investigate your, tre your treasure, time, talent, and treasure, it'll tell you where your heart is. Unfortunately, it will, it will find you out. That's what happened with Tobiah. That's why Jesus says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Isn't this a great day talking about tithing? <laughs> Thank you. I started thinking about that person that brought a first-time guest. And they're like, oh, no. And they're like, leaning, oh, no. I'm so sorry he never talks about this stuff. Well, it's not for your friend. It's for you. And so it's God's plan that his children would have success. It's God's plan for him to be able to bless, your, to bless you. And when you just look at tithing, you just look at giving, you realize that, that, that Jacob and, and Abraham, they gave a tenth before the law, before the Ten Commandments, because God has created us to give. It's something natural. God has created us to give. I mean, in other words, the, just so we're tracking, the, the church didn't come up with giving. A pastor, no matter what people say, the church didn't come up with giving. A pastor didn't come up with giving. Uh, you, you need to understand that. Listen, just understand, I didn't write the Bible, okay? I just report out. So a church didn't come up with giving. A pastor didn't come up with giving. Have you ever thought, why giving? Why did God invent this? Why did God come up with this? Why is this his, his, why is this his idea or his desire for our life? 
Why did God say you should give the first 10% to the church? You know why that is? Because God wants to teach his children to trust him. He wants to teach them that all that he has, all that they have is his. And that we're just stewards of what he gives us. He wanted to teach his children that if they could trust him with their finances, that they would realize that he is all they need. And if you can trust him with your finances, you can trust him with your health, you can trust him with your life, you can trust him with your career, you can trust him with your future, you can trust him with those difficult seasons of life. And the reason that a lot of people cannot trust him is because they really don't know. They can trust him with their finances. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. When you understand that, guess what? God desires to bless you. God desires for you to have success. God desires. He is a, he is a good father. fact is, he is a good, good father. And he desires to take care of you. And for you to trust him, you have to know that he wants good for you. The second thing about success is this, is success is understanding that it's God's plan to bless his children. It is his plan to bless his children. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7. And here's what the scripture says, verse 9. He said, or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who seek Him? You know what He's telling them? You know what He's teaching us? He's a good, good Father. He is a good, good Father. See, at best, at best, I can only be a good Father. On my best day, the only thing I can do is just be a good Father. Because I'm flawed and I'm imperfect, but our Heavenly Father is perfect. And He can be a good, good Father, or He is a good, good Father. And so the verse starts off with the word, verse 9 starts off with or, which means we need to look at what was Jesus talking about before this. Look at this, verse 7. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For, any, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. In other words, you know what he's saying? He's saying to receive, you must, you must do something to receive. Jesus did not say to everyone who does nothing will receive. Jesus never said the one that stands out in the front yard doesn't seek and doesn't find and, and doesn't knock. Then the door will be open for you. In other words, what Jesus was communicating, to, to receive, you must, you must do something. I mean, if you will ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be open. Let's take this a step further. You must do something to have success. You must do something to be blessed. How about evangelism? How about, how about salvation? To be saved, you must receive. To be saved, you must accept. To be saved, you must believe. In other words, you must, you must do something. It's, it's an act. You must do something. And what Jesus is saying, if, if you will follow my plan, if you will trust me, you'll understand that I'm enough. And I'll bless you. He is a 
a good, good father who desires to bless you. Listen, God, God can solve your problems if you allow him to. Fact is, God can solve your financial problems if you will allow him to. Listen, he can solve 90% of your financial problems if you do two things, stewardship and living below your means. If you'll do those two, stewardship and living below your means. Oh, and by the way, living below your means, that's not living just below your credit card limit. That's living below your means. Man, I've, I've watched this happen when we've done our, our, our uh, uh, um, financial peace through D3. I have watched people give their way out of debt. I have watched people learn these two principles and watch God bless them. Here's what Malachi says, Malachi 3, verse 10. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is there's no more need. It's interesting. When I, when I get around givers, when I get around tithers, man, they say, we're so, we're so blessed. We're just so blessed. And most people, when they, when they hear this, they'll quickly criticize it or condemn it or ignore it instead of just trying to see if it's, if it's true, if he'll really reward you. And Nehemiah is saying to them that you have walked away from the things of God. You've walked away from his ordinary principles. And you no longer know that he is enough. And everything that you have is God's because he has blessed you. The third and the last thing is this. Success is understanding. It is God's plan to reward your obedience. It is God's plan to reward your obedience. Malachi 3 verse 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and, and not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man, will man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And therefore, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now, notice he did not say, I'm going to curse you. He said, you're, you're under a curse. In other words, just a biblical definition of a curse, a curse is simply this, a consequence of action. That's all a curse is. It's, it's a consequence of action. When you walk away from my protection, when you walk away from, from my ordinary principles, there are consequences. When you walk in the ordinary principles, when you follow me, there is consequences to your actions. And so what Nehemiah is doing, what Malachi is saying is, I'm pleading with you because when people walk away from God, they walk away from the things of God. And he says, I'm pleading with you, come back to me. Because it, it all belongs to God. He allows you to, I mean, he allows you to keep 90%. And it, it is grace that he allows us to keep 90%. And the 10% is set apart for the household of God. Listen, when, 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 you, when you choose the wrong path in life, it is the consequences of your actions that bring you back to him. 
I mean, look at this. Psalm 119.67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. In other words, before the consequences, before I realized I was on the, I, I came back. Malachi 3.11, I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your so- soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. And so when I get around tithers, they always have the same testimony. I'm, I am so blessed. When I get around non-givers or non-tithers, they say, I couldn't afford to. Of course you couldn't. You're on the wrong path. And there is a blessing when you follow him. And he says, he makes this statement that, 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 that all nations will call you blessed. In other words, it's, it's, what he's saying is it's, it's a witness. When your neighbor looks at you and says, aren't you worried about what's going on in the world? Aren't you worried what's going on with the economy? Aren't you worried what, what some of the economists are saying about the future? Why are you not stressed like we are? Why are you at peace? You're able to look at them and says, because guess what? I serve a God who's more than enough. The world should see a difference in the way we live. The world should see a difference in the way we handle our finances and our money. Listen, if we operate and handle our finances and our money the same way the world does, where we're maxed out on credit card debt, our mortgages are way too big for us, our our car payments are way big, are, are too big for us, and there's no difference. And if your neighbor sees you, as stressed out as they are, then why would they ever believe God is more than enough? I'm telling you. This is part of our testimony. Jesus talked about this in the New Testament about tithing. Some people say it's not in the New Testament. Verse 23, 23 of Matthew, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faithfulness these you ought to have done without neglecting the others, without neglecting the tithe. God wants you to know that you can trust him with everything. In closing, I'm just going to read a few verses in, in the story of the prodigal son after he had squandered his money and what happened. Because success is knowing the God of more than enough that we have a good, good father that is generous. Generous in forgiving and generous in loving and generous in giving. Verse 14, Luke chapter 15. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the, of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to, feed with the, to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat 
and celebrate. That's a good, good father. In fact is, when the prodigal pictured his father as being more than enough, that's why he returned. 